Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Good to be with you this morning. So we're moving through the book of Luke and each week we are <clears throat> looking at one of the miracles um, for the purpose of trying to find out who, more about who Jesus is by, by looking at these stories. And um, for those of us who have been in church for a little bit, know uh, a little bit about some of these biblical stories, we sometimes can um, associate the leper with the, the marginalized person who's out there. And, you know, it can be that. But I think that if we look at the, the leper in the context of the whole Bible, then we will see that the leper is actually all of us because the leper is the representation of humanity's brokenness. And all of us are broken in one way or another. We um, we just don't we're just not always fully aware of it. That's the problem. Does anybody in here have a family member who likes playing video games? Yes. Is anybody that person in their family? Yes. Okay. So um, in my family, it was my brother growing up, and I wasn't particularly into video games. But every now and then, I would try and join in, and he wouldn't go to great lengths to try and teach me anything to help me, but. He still enjoyed winning, even though I didn't know anything. So I don't know why he enjoyed, but he did. And um, sometimes we play games like Mario Kart on the Nintendo 64. And um, Mario Kart's like a car racing game and um, you've got like a split screen. And so you can see your character on this screen and, and they can see theirs. And, uh, and every now and then, you know, things typically, you know, if you stay on the road, things will go well. But every now and then you'll come off the road and sometimes you'll kind of spin out, you know, you'll, you'll have driven over a banana peel or something like that. And you'll spin out onto a patch of grass and you'll be stuck, but then a character will come and pick you up and put you back onto the road or you'll fall off, you know, into a body of water or something and a character will come and put you back on the road. Uh, and that's fine. You just keep driving. But every now and then, sometimes something would happen where you'd somehow find it. You don't know how you did it, but you found yourself in some kind of weird glitch where your character just gets stuck and it's kind of like this and you cannot seem to move them out of the, the spot that they're in and no one's coming to rescue them. And so you're just stuck there. Or other times you kind of seem to go through this weird sort of like loophole in the game and then you just watch your character just fall off eternally into darkness <laughs> and nothing happens. And you just have to sit there and just watch your character just disappearing whilst your brother wins. And so this idea of, of being in a glitch, that's kind of, kind of what it's like to have leprosy. Because for the leper, that's the person who has found themselves in a situation where everything is not going right. Something has gone wrong and, uh, and they don't know how to fix it and no, no one else does either. And, uh, and leprosy is, you know, it's an umbrella term that, you know, it's a little, what we think of leprosy now is a little bit different to um, it, this term in the Bible, you know, might uncover that, might cover that, but it also covers basically a whole variety of skin diseases, some of which would be contagious and um, infectious and some which wouldn't. But leprosy is like a representation in the Bible of the complete opposite of what Hebrew writers would call shalom. And some of you will be familiar with this concept of shalom. And I want to um, read to you from Cornelius Plantiger, who writes in, not the way it's supposed to be. And he says, 
Shalom is the webbing together of God, humans, and creation in all justice, fulfillment, and delight. That's what the Hebrew prophets call Shalom. We call it peace now, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. That's shalom. And it's a beautiful image, isn't it? That all of us, I think, deep down long for, for that picture of everything being the way it ought to be. And it's the picture that we get right back at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, right back in the beginning, where everything is the way it ought to be. Humans' bodies are functioning how they're supposed to be. Humans are in right relationship with their own bodies. They're in right relationship with each other. And they're in right relationship with God. It's the image that we get at the very beginning of the Bible of the way things are ought to be. And it's called shalom. And it all goes wrong. Because Adam and Eve, who are the first man and woman and representative of, of humankind, they decide that they don't want that relationship with God anymore. And so do all of we. And some of you might be thinking, well, I don't, I don't know if that's me because I want a relationship with God. It's why, I'm, you know, it's why I've rocked up to church on a Sunday. But if you were to ask Adam and Eve, I don't think they would have put it in those terms. You know, I don't think they would have said, we, yeah, we're over God, he's annoying or whatever. You know, I think they still wanted to maintain that relationship with God. The catch is they just wanted to do things their own way because, you know, many of you will know the story that God created this garden in which they lived and said you can eat from any of the fruit on any of the trees except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they decided that they weren't going to take that uh, advice and instead they ate from the tree because they thought that they knew better. And so often in life we think that there's some situation in which we know better than God. And the moment that we do that and go, I understand the situation a little bit better than God does because, you know, I'm living it and everything, and we start to do things our own way, we actually break the relationship with God by virtue of the fact that he is no longer God to us. In the moment that we say, I know better, my ways are higher than his ways, he's no longer God to us. He's become something else. And, you know, go, oh, I still want to have God in my life. I just don't want to be with him on this particular issue. He's no longer God to us. You know, he's become just a buddy or a servant or, you know, some kind of grandfather figure. But God, if he's not in, our, in relationship with us as God, he's not in relationship with us at all. He's God to us or else he is nothing. And so in Genesis, we see that because the relationship between mankind and God is broken, then their relationships with each other become broken as well. And their relationships with their own bodies become broken. And so through biblical history, we see, you know, all of the results of this breakdown in the relationship with God. And it's most critically represented in the leper, because the leper is the person who has the most visible representation of breakdown, not only with their own bodies, but in their relationship with the community and in their relationship with God. And so 
it is all of us in one way or another. I said that um, leprosy covered a variety of skin diseases and not all of them are infectious. But leprosy is a, a reminder of the fact that all of our bodies, really, whether we've got skin diseases or not, are imperfect. We all live with bodies that remind us that all is not as it should be. You know, it's funny, in the last couple of years, I think a lot of us have become even more acutely aware during the pandemic of our own human frailty. And I got COVID a couple of weeks ago. It was amusing, amusing. It was um, interesting, let's say. I wasn't kind of like, <laughs> no, it was interesting. I was kind of like, hmm. um, interested to note that I probably got it, I'd say two years to the week from when I first heard someone utter the word coronavirus. And uh, in those two years, not a day has gone past where I haven't thought about it, haven't talked to someone about it, haven't you know, read something about it somewhere. I know all of this information. I knew all of this information. I watched it travel around the world. It took two years for me to actually get it. Yeah, I knew all of this information and yet somehow my body still wasn't fully prepared which came as a bit of a shock. You know, my body was like, what's this? I'm like, it's COVID. We've been talking about it for two years. <laughs> um, the body's like, I don't like this. I was like, well, no one does. But it couldn't prepare itself because we have frail, imperfect, human, mortal bodies. And that's what we've become acutely aware of these last couple of years. Jesus says to the leper to, to go and show yourself to the priest and perform the sacrifices. And what Jesus is doing here is actually uh, harking back to the laws that were given by God to Moses. And we can read about them in the book of Leviticus. So we're going to take a quick little look at what's, um, what's there in Leviticus. It says in 1345, Leviticus 1345, anyone with such a defiling skin disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face. So torn clothes, unkempt hair, and the lower part of their face is covered. But the next part is they have to cry out, unclean, unclean. So what basically is being signified with, with the leper in this, in this instance in ancient Israel is that they are being pronounced to the community as dead, essentially, because death has entered this person's living body, and it's a tragedy. But all of us, in essence, live with the reality that death has entered our living bodies. Some of us in the room today will admit that they have bodies that just cannot do what they used to be able to do. Have you ever had that moment where you suddenly realize, oh, my body just can't do what it used to be able to do? Because we get older, and our bodies just start to get weaker and more frail and they change and they decay and they move more slowly and try as we may, we cannot, you know, gravity always wins, as they say. So all of us have bodies that, you know, at one time or another we'll realise they just, they are, they are getting older. But also some of us in our community live, live with the very real fact of disease. You know, some people in our community are living with, with actual terminal illness and that sort of thing. But all of us, in essence, are dying. Death has entered all of our living bodies by virtue of the fact that we're mortal. As Shakespeare puts it, from hour to hour, we ripe and ripe, and then from hour to hour, we rot and rot. 
and thereby hangs a tail. That's actually from one of his comedies, believe it or not. So we all have this decay physically, which has entered our bodies, but we also have decay socially, just like the leper. It says in Leviticus that as long as they have the disease, they remain unclean, they must live alone, they must live outside the camp. The lepers had to to live outside the camp and then the Israelites started building cities. They had to live outside the walls of the city. And anyone who touched a leper, see, they weren't always infectious, but people wouldn't touch them anyway because if you touched the leper, then then the law said that you had now gained ritual impurity just by virtue of the fact that you've touched them, which meant that if you touched a leper, you were not allowed to be, uh, you had to stay outside the camp as well. And so, of course, that would just mean that the leper was just relegated to a life of loneliness, to isolation and separation. Is this ringing bells for anybody? You know, we've, we're seeing the effects, I believe, of, of a couple of years of isolation and separation in our community, of having to cover the lower part of our faces. At the moment, I have to teach drama in a mask. All my kids are in masks. And that in and of itself is a challenge. But I look at teenagers and I think the effects of the last couple of years, you know, can really be seen because they've had two years of working on things that have been cancelled or have been postponed or have been compromised in some way. And you just get the sense that there's like this weariness and this almost like an apathy which comes upon young people in their developmental stages. I don't know if any of you have noticed this kind of thing or, you know, and upon adults as well. And, and you, can, you can sort of understand it from what we've been through. So the leper is the representation of, of decay physically, decay relationally, but also decay spiritually. Because when we read these rules in Leviticus, you know, they can just seem like, it can sort of seem like it's just like good health advice and it's just being dressed up with religious language. Has anyone thought that when they've read the Old Testament that it's just kind of like a sort of a Spiro way of just saying wear underwear and that kind of thing? Um, It's actually a lot more than that. It can seem like practical advice here for preventing cross-contamination in the community, but its primary aim is actually to separate possible contact between the unclean and the holy because that's what the leper is. The leper is a person who is unclean because their decay represents the breakdown between mankind and God. The unclean is not able to go into the presence of of the holy by virtue of the fact that God is a perfect and holy God. What we see as being inappropriate in Leviticus is entering into God's presence when you are in an impure state. And so the leper finds himself cut off, um, you know, not only with breakdown in his body and cut off from community, but also cut off from God. And have you ever been in that sort of situation when things are breaking down for you physically and in your relationships and chaos has entered your life. And in that moment, you go to God and God feels like a locked door. Have you ever felt like that before? And you're, try as you may, there just doesn't seem to be any answers coming. Well, that's the condition of the leper. And it's the condition that many of us find ourselves in. And it's kind of like when I was talking about the glitch before in Mario Kart, you know, in that moment, it's like I am stuck in this glitch and I don't know how to get out of it. And I turn to my brother and, you know, his mates and I'm kind of like, you know, 
this, can we do something about this? And they're like, they just shrug their shoulders. Nothing we can do. And they just keep playing. And I just have to sit and wait for the, you know, to take the cartridge out and blow it and put it back in. <laughs> and um, for the Israelites, you know, the, the priests were assessors. They weren't doctors. So you could go out and, you know, for seven days um, if you have a skin disease and then come back after the seven days and the priest would assess you and see, you know, what colour your scabs were and that kind of thing and potentially assess you and go, yes, you um, – have healed and you're able to come back into the community and back into the presence of God. But if they assess you and said, no, there's no been no change, well, the priest was unable to do anything about that. And it was kind of like, sorry. And you had to remain outside the camp. And it was kind of like when you're in that glitch where you're kind of like, go, can anyone help me? And they turn to you and just go, sorry. All Israel could do was wait and hope for that moment when mankind will be once again wholly reunited with God. And that's where Luke picks up the story here in chapter 5. What's interesting to know is that Jesus begins his ministry outside the city walls. You know, he doesn't materialise in the Holy of Holies. He actually has his ministry outside the city walls in the places where you find lepers dwelling. And why does he do that? I think he does it because... It's in those places that he's most likely to find the people who are going to throw themselves at his feet and beg for him to help them like the leper does. The leper cries out to him, if you are willing. And sometimes when we're in these situations where, we, where we, you know, we're in the glitches of life, where people are shrugging their shoulders at us and we seem to be broken spiritually, physically and relationally, that is time for us to throw ourselves down on our knees before Jesus and say, if you are willing, Lord, will you heal me? Because Jesus's response is, I am willing. And what's so amazing about Jesus being willing is not only the fact that he's willing to go and touch the leper when no one else was willing to, but also he's able to heal the leper when nobody else was able to. Jesus is able to go into the places where no one else can or will fix the situation, fix the brokenness. If you're in a situation when you've gone to all of the medical professionals for help, you've read all of the articles and you've listened to all of the things to try and get some kind of help with whatever physical thing it is which is affecting you, and you are in that glitch where everyone's shrugging their shoulders and you've just had closed door after closed door, that is your invitation to throw yourself down at the feet of Jesus like the leper did and ask for healing. If you've got relationships which seem broken beyond repair, and I know of relationships where so many things have been said, so much stuff has gone down and everyone's got an opinion that you just go, I don't know how to fix this. That's an invitation for you to throw yourself down at the feet of Jesus and ask for him to heal. Because Jesus was interested in healing the man's relational life as well as his physical life. You know, he healed him of leprosy, but then he said, go and show yourself to the priest. Well, why did Jesus do that if the guy's already been healed? Because he knew that the priest giving him the tick of approval was his invitation back into the community. So he was interested in this man's relational life as well as his physical life. And, and your relational problems, whatever they might be, are of interest to Jesus. And he is able to come into the places where no one is able or willing. 
And so he sends the man to the priest and tells him to go and, and do the sacrifices um, that would be done for someone who's um, coming back into the community. And of course, the sacrifices are a temporary act, but they're not able to ultimately deal with the problem. It is interesting to note that Jesus here isn't trying to undermine the Old Testament law. You know, often we look at stories like this and we can think that Jesus comes in and goes, oh, well, I don't think, you know, I'm going to disregard the laws about what to do with lepers. That's actually not what he's doing. He's, he's, he's telling the man to go to the priest to do the sacrifices and he's going to touch the man, not because he's saying I disregard the laws, but because he is the only person who is able to. The book of Luke emphasizes that Christianity is not a new religion, but rather it's the fulfillment and the present day expression of the religion of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that we see in the Old Testament. So we don't just disregard the Old Testament. We don't disregard Leviticus. We read Leviticus because it presents to us a conundrum. And that conundrum is how do imperfect, broken human beings live in relationship with a holy, perfect God. And Jesus is the answer that God provides to that question. Because it's not only that Jesus comes in with his miraculous power, but he is able to go and touch the, the unclean person. Why? Because he takes on our uncleanliness. You know, Jesus was actually dragged outside the city to the place where the lepers were when, when he was being crucified. He was taken out to that place so that we no longer would have to be. He took on the weight and the punishment of our sins, the separation from God, from one another, from our own bodies. He took that on himself on the cross so that we would no longer have to feel the weight of that punishment. And finally, he died so that we wouldn't have to fear the eternal consequences of death any longer. We're going to take communion now and I invite the uh, musicians to come back on stage. And today I want to invite you as we take communion to put your burdens at the feet of Jesus. I want you to let go of the burden of your own immortality. I was listening to an interview recently with a psychologist who is talking about the psychology of conspiracy theories. And she was a woman who was married to a man who had terminal cancer. And when she found out, when he was diagnosed, she became frenzied with trying to work out what it was that had given him cancer. She began you know, researching, is it mobile phones? Is it uh, microwaves? Is it uh, 5G? And, and she's trying to find, do all this research to work out what is it, what is it that caused the cancer until eventually one day her husband just said, stop, just stop, because... Even if you do work it out, which you probably won't, but even if you do, it's not going to stop me from dying. And what she recognised in that moment was her trying to find out some kind of answer, was her attempt to bring some order, what we would call some shalom, back into the chaos that had entered her life. But she is unable to do it on her own. And for some of us today who have got breakdown and chaos in our lives physically, I want to just, I want to invite you to today to lay down the burden of trying to make yourself immortal and just recognize you cannot do it. You cannot stop the aging process. You cannot make yourself live forever. But God invites you into that reality. For those of you who have got relational issues, I feel like speaking 
today um, to everyone, but I want to speak to parents, you know, who have got relationships with their children that they've tried and tried to work out and they just think, I don't know how to work this one out. Well, that is an invitation for you just to lay that burden down because that's the place where no one else is able to fix it anymore and it needs the invitation of Jesus into that situation. And for all of us trying to make ourselves perfect and holy before God through the religious things that we do and or the noble ethical things that we do or whatever it is, that whatever way that we try to make ourselves holy before God, we aren't able to do it on our own. So we need to come now and throw ourselves before Jesus and ask for him to do the work. What I want you to do is to come forward and to take the elements back to your seat and we'll take it together. And if you need the gluten-free option, it's over there. So come forward and do that and then we'll take it together. Yes, so fish out the uh, little wafer at the top and try not to um, open the juice prematurely. Our inability to do that properly is a good reminder of our imperfection before we take the elements. Can you hold up the wafer in front of you? Good. Hold it in front of you. And Jesus said that um, on the night before he died, he said, with the bread, you know, when you take this bread, that this is my body, which is broken for you. So Lord Jesus, I want to, I want us to come before you right now in thanksgiving. God, we are so thankful that your body, which was broken, signifies the fact that though our bodies are, are imperfect now and that death has entered them, that that's not the end of the story, but that we actually look forward to a resurrection life where you will give us a new, perfect and complete body so that we can live in holy union with you. We look forward to that reality. It, it is the, the hope that drives us through all of the frailties and imperfections that we see, us, see around us now. And we cannot achieve that by ourselves, God. We need, your, we need what you did for us, that body which was broken for us that day. So let's take the uh, wafer together now and, um, and just in your own hearts, thank God for, for his body which was broken. And then you can open the juice. Jesus said that this is my blood, the, the, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. And as we drink together, I invite you to drink the juice now. I want you to thank God for that new relationship. It is a new era of mankind being in back in relationship, in union with God because of the blood that was shed. And Jesus, right now, I just ask that you would pour out your shalom upon all of us, that restoration of all things, of relationships, of, of our bodies, of our community, of our relationship with you, that all things would be restored, not by our own efforts or our own goodness, but through what you have done for us. And we just want to receive it. We just want to let it wash over us and to fill us up and to make us new. I ask all of these things in your name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.